Praise God, praise God. It's Palm Sunday. Praise God, yes. I personally love Easter as well more than Christmas. And it isn't because of my unhealthy relationship with chocolate. It's literally because, you know, without it, what do we have? We don't have anything. It's one thing if he died and then that was it and it was really sad. But he, as, as Pat, Matt said, he died, rose again, you know, promises to come back. And then that changes us all forever, changes how we live, changes who we are. Um, so Palm Sunday is such a perfect day, I find, before Easter to think about necessarily the suffering before the resurrection yeah. and the process before the glory. And so that's kind of what I'm going to talk about today, if that's okay. But before I do so, let me just pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for the cross. We thank you, Father, for sending your only begotten son. We thank you for you, that you loved the world, but you didn't just love the world, you then gave. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for every single soul in this place today. I do not have anything to say, so you have to speak. Father God, I just pray, Lord God, that you will speak to our innermost being, Lord God, the secret places of our hearts, those fears, those rejections, those, those moments of confidence, the, 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 the things that we can't even say aloud, Lord God, that you, Lord God, will speak to the us in this moment, for this time, for this day, for your glory, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God, guys. Okay, so my birthday's in a couple of weeks. Uh, yes, presents. All welcome. We'll send the address. Chocolate. Chocolate. It's always good. Um, but it makes me really kind of reflective when I go through this kind of time. I suppose as you do, right? You, well, I do. When you get into a birthday, you kind of take stock and you start to think, okay, what's going right? What could do, you know, what could be better? How do I get David to cook some more? You know, like those kinds of, you know, you start to take, start to take inventory. Um, and as I was doing so, I started to look back on my life and it reminded me of when I first qualified as a lawyer. That was my first profession. I qualified as an attorney and I went to New York, came back, passed the exam and came home. And um, when I came home, I needed to get a job, like I needed a job. You know, my, um, it, it wasn't just about, I've been working since I was 16 years old anyway, you know, so even that sometimes studying and all the, the money that goes into the study and when you come home, you know, my house, I come from a Nigerian home, you know, there's not kind of sit down and watch Jeremy Kyle, like it is kind of, you know, it's get up and get a job, you know. And I didn't just want any job, I wanted a, um, I wanted a good, a good job. So I, I stalked this man, as you, if you know me, then you believe me that I could stalk someone. Um, stalked this man, he was, a, he was the biggest entertainment lawyer at the time in the UK. And I thought, well, if I'm gonna do this, I wanna, you know, I wanna work for the best, person right like you know my mum at this point was like just get a job like just you know and I'm like I'm sending emails every day so I sent this man true story an email every single day um, because he was like a big you know it was a big time like he didn't have to respond to me and some days I would respond saying oh sunny today you know <laughs> you, hello God, this is not about the weather but if you did want to meet up and as the time kind of went more and more on, my mum was getting more and more kind of just frustrated with me because it was like, is this a job application or have you emailed that man again who's not been responding to you for the last six months? And then one day he came and he did respond. He, and, and I've still got it. He sent an email. He said, your tenacity is inspiring. He said, let's have coffee. So I was 
this is great. Like, this is it. I, you know, ka-ching, and I'm going to do all the things that, you know, God has for me to do. I knew it, you know. And so I didn't do, I didn't apply for anything else, you know, and I went and I met this man, um, wonderful, wonderful man. And I met him and, um, and I walked in. The first thing he said to me, just top of the meeting was, I can't give you a job. And I just sat there. I mean, for me, it was like, I le- could I just leave now? Like, what have you brought me here for? What? I mean, it's all fair and good saying about tenacity. Coffee, I'm drinking the coffee. The coffee, like, in that moment, tasted like the worst coffee I've ever drank in my entire life. Like, I just would just spit out the coffee, you know? And he was like, I, I, can't, I can't give you a job, um, uh, but I'll, 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 I'll talk to some people for you because I think that, you, you know, you've got something. And I can make a few calls. Like, nothing seemed substantial for me, you know? And I walked out and I thought, what a waste of time. I just, what a waste of time. I literally circled around my house for about an hour trying to create a story of what I was going to tell my mum for when I I walked in, you know. How was I going to tell him that he's given me a list of more names to send some more emails? I thought it was just wasted. Um, Anyway, I'll fast forward because we don't have enough time to tell you that that man actually became... I would say the single most um, influential blessing in my professional career over the next 15 years to come. And he never gave me a job. And when I was preparing for this sermon today and this Palm Sunday, and we're going to go into the word of God. And as I was preparing for this time, um, I, had a, I had a message before and I was talking to Matt about message before. And for some reason he kept talking to, sadly, that same man actually passed away in lockdown. Um, he, he was a mentor and a friend of mine. Um, but he kept bringing, and I thought, oh, should I just keep praying for his family? That's how it kept coming to me. And um, he reminded me of the story I just shared with you, because he said that as I should tell you, and remind myself that with him, nothing is wasted. And that's my, that's my title today for us friends. Nothing is wasted. And I'm going to read from John 12. And I'm going to read from verse 12. I'm in a few places today, so just flow with me. Um, I'm in 12. I'm going to read from 12 to 16. And then I'm going to jump across still in 12 to 27. Nothing's wasted. Nothing's wasted, friends. You know, with so many times and seasons in our life, we too can be like, what, like I was that day, what a waste of time. We have an expectation of what God is going to do or should do or how he should do it and what it will look like. You know, um, you, I, even with pregnancy, you know, I, I, had, I already had like my children's complete, like their degrees and their life mapped out very nicely before they were even conceived, <laughs> you know. And, and when it doesn't go that way, you, we have a tendency to lean to, well, what, does, what am I going to do there? What, what a waste of time. But honestly, nothing is wasted. John, John 12 from verse 12. The next day, when the large crowd came to, came to the festival, came that, heard that the festival had come, heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took palm branches and went out to meet him. They kept shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus rode on a young donkey, we're going to talk about that donkey soon, and sat on it. And it is written, just as it is written, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. 
His disciples did not understand these things at first. However, when Jesus glorified, was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and that they had done the things and that these things had been done to him. Verse 27, this is Jesus talking here. Still, still in the same setting, still in that same wonderful moment. But he says, this is Jesus, our Lord, our Saviour, creator of the universe. Everything we've seen came from him. This is him saying this. Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour? But that is why I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. Say that with me. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Amen. And amen. And so we're here in, gen- in, in this part of scripture, which is wonderful to me, because actually um, John chapter 11 actually was one of, historically one of my favorite chapters in scripture. It's where Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb, dead for four days, you know, big, I, I think of this as like a big bloss, blockbuster movie, you know, roll away the stone, no, it smells, no, roll it away. You know, that kind of big kind of moment. Everyone in that moment was like, if they doubted, there were still some that did doubt, but that most people were like, this could be, this could be the son of God. And so, he, and, and so he, he, from that, it was like, oh, okay, this, this guy's the real deal. This, many people were starting to think, I mean, for a guy to be dead for four days is no small thing. I could preach for hours on the things of our lives that, you know, would, had been dead, that Jesus had rose from the dead. Before, outside of him, I could speak to myself of the things in my life that were dead, that Jesus has ris- rose from can I can't speak today, had risen, you know, you get what I'm saying, had brought back to life, there we go, had brought back to life, you know, and so outside of that, he was like, he walks in and he says, there's this donkey, he says, this donkey, he says to me, it actually Luke says, he says to his friends, his disciples, go, there's a donkey, take this donkey, you find a donkey, when you untie it, and you'll see that I've got need for it, bring it. And he comes in and, you know, we see it. We see the palm trees, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And the first thing that God wanted to say to me in this moment, this this wonderful moment, if the top of the, the, the scripture, we have Lazarus who was once dead, now alive, seated at the table, having some fish and chips with Mary, like miracles. You know, I don't know if it's just me, but I, see, I have miracles in my life. I, in fact, I am a walking miracle. And there's so many parts of that that God wants to say, the first thing in your life that isn't wasted are these joyous moments. These moments of celebration, they're not ours. We live in a culture today where these moments of celebration, these, these, these victories, we live in a culture where it's, it's mine. This is my victory. This is my success. My business is going well, and so it's mine. No, actually, even that, that's not wasted. It's for the glory of God. I will glor- I've glorified it, and I will glorify it again. In fact, there's also this part of culture that says that even Christians, when the world looks at us, they think, oh, God, why would I, why would I want to do that? But actually, it's a misconception. Every good and perfect thing comes from the Lord. The first thing in our life that isn't wasted are those wonderful Hosanna moments. It was a 
brilliant moment. It wasn't a moment, it wasn't small. It was people that said, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means salvation. They were identifying him. They were identifying him as the person to save them. Now in their expectation, they were thinking to save them from the Roman occupation and not save them from their souls. But they were able to identify him. Your moments of those good moments in your life, those moments where you're winning, those moments when your career's going well, your moments when your children are behaving or they actually start, oh, you, you, you are, oh, yeah, you, you can hear me. Oh, yeah, you are there. Those moments are for the glory of God. It's easy for us to grasp that. It's easier for us to grasp that a little bit, but there's a danger in it because actually you can assign that glory to yourself and not to the God. You know, Matthew 5.14 speaks about that. Actually, do I take our light? Do we take our light and do we pull it under a bush hill? No, we don't. We set it on a, on a, on a hill so that all the world can see and give what? Glory to the Father in heaven. Nothing's wasted from your moments. Nothing's wasted from that child that you prayed for and prayed for and prayed for and is now turning around. You know, nothing's wasted from the fact that you hated coming to church and now you've managed to come here on a Sunday morning. These are your Hosanna moments, your celebratory moments, your moments that are wonderful. And the Father enjoys those moments with you. Nothing is wasted in them. You know, nothing is wasted in them. The second thing that I want to tell you that nothing's wasted in is, is your confusion. If you go to 16 and I read it, you see, it said, when all of this was happening, the colt, the donkey, they're riding in, Hosanna in the highest. It wasn't a big horse. It wasn't, it already just wasn't what they thought it was going to be. Verse 16, it says, his disciples did not understand these things at first. I, and I, I read that and I'm like, oh my gosh. Am I the only one that can relate? I don't understand what's going on. It's gone right over my head. Have I missed it? You know, it's like when you're watching a scene and you're like, oh, do I need to rewind? They do not understand. Lord, what is going on? What is going on? And if you look at the story of that wonderful, beautiful cult, the donkey, a cult is a donkey that is it's a, female, it's a male donkey that is under four years old. That's what a cult is. That's why it hadn't been ridden on. The Bible said it hadn't been ridden on. No one had ridden it. Untie it. I've got use for it. Yeah? Because no one had ridden. So, you know, usually you would... I'm not, I'm not an animals person. But, you know, usually you would want to kind of get this... Get prepared for this kind of big showdown. Going to be a lot of people there. They've got palm trees. They're singing Hosanna in the highest, which means salvation. Should we practice this? There was no practice. You know, it was straight showtime. Those kind of big moments where you feel out of your depth, Every time I pick up a mic, friends, I feel out of my depth. I'm confused. What's going on? I do not understand. Nothing is wasted in your moments of confusion. I'm talking about that. You're looking at your marriage and it's like, actually, this is not, not me, actually, by the grace of God. But is this the person? <laughs> is this the person I married? Is, you know, nothing's wasted. Nothing's wasted. Your boss is a little... Ugh. Nothing's wasted in those moments of confusion. Do you know why? They said that then they remembered. You know, the best thing about being confused Christians is it, it, says, it says that we can put up our hands. It says, I have a need. If you go to the right person, confusion should bring revelation. That's why it's not wasted. Because the Bible says in verse 16, it didn't, he said, he says, and then what the, they remembered these things that had been written about him. If you take your moments of confusion, if you take those moments, even in the midst of celebration, 
Even in the midst of celebration, celebration doesn't mean everything's all right. I don't know, if they, I don't know anyone that's got everything right across the whole of their lives. You know, that's, life has more tension than that. But if you can take those moments when I do not understand, the Bible says if you seek, you will find. It says if you knock on the door, he will answer. So if, if, you, if we can have a, a posture, it brings humility. It says that you can come to the throne of grace boldly, that you may obtain mercy. If you can say, I don't even know what this is. I believe, but... Mm, I, I, or, or I can't reconcile this part of you, Lord, with this. The church needs to do it more as society changes. We need to be able to say, I'm confused about this matter. Because he's, he's, he's never confused. He doesn't move. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you take your confusion to the God that is unchangeable, then he will give you revelation. Nothing's wasted in those moments of confusion. Satan would love you to dwell in the confusion. He would love you to say, let me deal with this matter with my own strength and my own knowledge. But it says, lean not on your own understanding. And if you're able, if you're able to take it to the Lord, then I tell you now that those moments of confusion, those moments where you don't know what to do, you sit there. Actually, the, the, what was wonderful, what was um, in the words of one of the songs we sang tonight, today rather, was, you know, actually, I, when, I, when I fight, I fight on my knees. And I so identify with that. Because where else do you take your confusion? To the news? You know, my mum, my when um, my children were born, started, you know, they, she used to joke with me and call my children Google babies. Because any little thing that they would do, I would go to Google and be like, and she would give me some advice and I'd be like, no, 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 I've just read on a, a mum's net. It's probably best we turn the baby upside down and then <laughs> shake it a little bit. She's like, look, you know, my mum and my mother-in-law would both be like, no, I've done this before. You know, my mother-in-law would joke that, you know, I did it so well that you were able to, you know, marry one. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, no, let me just check Google. Where you take your confusion will determine the answer you get. That's just, that's just the facts. And us as the church, us as Christians, we should only have one destination for our confusion. And if we do, I tell you now, it's not wasted. Praise God. I want to move to verse 27 because it's a really important one. The second thing that isn't wasted if you're following me today is your suffering. The Lord of the universe, I, I still can't, I, I can't, I can't, picture it I still struggle with it there's still such a big tension there for me because he's omnipresent because you knew that there was a cult without being there you know that that speaks to his omnipresence because he told his disciples to go he said you will go to a village and you will see a cult untie that cult tell the cult I've got so he is omnipresent he just a chapter before as I said was able to raise someone from the dead after four whole days that, that, that they literally had locked that tomb and here he is saying that his soul is troubled he said his soul, his soul is troubled. That's why us as a church need to be better with one another about telling us about the elements of ourselves that we're troubled with because he was so beautifully transparent with his. So how can we, how can we conceal ours? And he, but you get it, right? You get it that while they're saying Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest, while they're saying, you know, they're, they're declaring in so many ways what they want him to, what he wants them to, the fact that he's Messiah, he himself knows what needs to come first. Before the glory... Before the glory is, is the suffering. We don't do that well as a church, guys, in talking about it. And, it. and it would be remiss of me if I didn't say talk about it today. That those parts of your past that you have hidden away because of shame, 
Hopefully, this Palm Sunday, you will bring to the throne room because there's glory in it. And you think, well, how can there be glory in divorce? Because he redeems and he restores. You, you, we get to see the story afterwards. And us as a church, if we, if we pretend we're perfect and we never suffer and we never go through anything and had to ask me how I am, God just said, Toby, how are you? I'm blessed and highly favoured. How was your week? Wonderful. How was yours? How are your children? Wonderful. They, they tantrum, what's that? Terrible tooth? Not mine. Oh, yours? Oh, I'm sorry. You know, if this is our, if this is going to be how we reason with one another, then we miss out on glory, the glory that's supposed to be for the Father. The world is supposed to see our messiness and then see a Father who redeems. And with ourselves, I, I'm, I, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged with, with close friends who bury loved ones before their time, I would have thought, and turn around and say, I believe in the goodness of God. I mean, that's glory. I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged when our saviour says, my soul is troubled. I am anxious. That's the kind of what he's saying. I'm disturbed. I, I, I don't know what to do. What, what I want to do, what I want to do, and that's what I love about Jesus, 100% God, 100% man. What he says in verse 27, he says, what I want to do is say, Father, take this from me. That's, that's, my, that's my inclination. That's our fleshly inclination, right? To say, take this from me. He goes, but how can I? For this is the very reason I have come. So what will I say instead? Father, glorify yourself. Is that not your prayer today? That in every element of your life, there is nothing that is wasted. Nothing. From those moments that hurt just, I mean, you know, fetal position on your bed, grown man, it hurts. What do you say in that moment? Well, you should say what the Lord said. Yes, he... he Give it to him. He takes it. But equally on that prayer, you should say right at the end of that prayer. But with this, if it's going to hurt this much, then you glorify yourself. If, if I'm going to have to walk through this, if I'm going to have to walk through this diagnosis, if I'm going to have to walk through this really bad financial troubles, then Lord, at the other end of this, glorify yourself because nothing is wasted. Nothing's wasted. You know, it's, and you know, the, the woman with the alabaster box, she got this. She got it before I, way before I preached this because she wasn't in a position of influence. She didn't have much. And she took that really expensive alabaster box. She poured it open because she said, nothing's wasted. I give you absolutely everything. I said it today. If I have nothing to say, if you do not speak, then we, we're, we're done. Everything I have, that child... That, 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 that tendency, that argument, that bad season, that need, that, that whatever it is, the application offer, whatever it is you're waiting for, is you either pull it in your hand like what Matt said, or you lift it high and say, waiting here for you. Because nothing's wasted. And that's what he said in that time. Your, your suffering is not wasted. In fact, Paul said that the suffering of this present time is not worthy. It's not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. It, it, it doesn't pay all up. And, I, you know, I don't even mean just suffering is just the suffering of, you know, bad things. Yes, of course. But I even mean those tight spots. Those really tight, tight seasons. You know, um, David's one of those drivers where you hold on to the car door. <laughs> Trust me, I mean, 
Josh, true story. Thank you. Thank you. Just need a little bit of a witness. You, you know, you hold him to the, the, the uh, you know, and him and his, and his older sister. I think they think to themselves, they see a tight spot and they think, can I get through this? Normal people kind of think, all right, I listened to too tight, I'll get round. No, 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 not Dave. Dave's like, all right. and not only is that, like, can I get through it really quickly too? You know, and so you hold on to the, you hold on to the side of the door and you're like, and then when he gets through it, just about, you know, you, you're kind of like, oh my gosh, am I going to be scratched away with this? He turns to you, he's like, what? You all right? You, you could have gone round, like, you know, you could have gone round, tight spots. That, this, that, those tight spots of life, like, how do I get through this? I don't know how. As I said, I do believe that when you realise that you've given it to him, it isn't wasted, the glory comes through, you kind of do get through the other side and the father does turn to you, just like we're going to do next Sunday, right? This is the tight spot, the Palm Sunday. We're going into Holy Week. Fridays are even really, it's a tight spot. But then Sunday comes and you can see the father in heaven kind you right? <laughs> you know, it's that kind of like, you're doing good? So I, I, yeah, just about. I wasn't sure when I was going through it. Nothing's wasted, friends. Your suffering isn't wasted. Those tight spots, those moments of confusion, they're not wasted. Everything, it says all things, all things work together to the glory of the Lord. One last thing that isn't wasted, and it's really important, it's your commitment. You know, your commitment isn't wasted. Your commitment isn't wasted. You know, I, um, when I initially was preparing this sermon, I was looking and I was thinking about the man that you find in Mark 5 that was with the legion. You're finding Mark chapter 5. I don't have time to read it today, but if you haven't read that, I would, it's a beautiful story. This man was in a cave. He was just possessed with demons. He was self-harming, you know, using rocks to self-harm. And the Lord heals him, completely heals and completely delivers him throws it all into the pigs and then he gets into a boat Jesus wants to step into the boat and as he's about to get into the boat this man I mean all everyone in the village but this man's looking at him like oh my gosh you can't go like you cannot go look if you go then what happens to me you know and, and Jesus then instructs him and says go and tell everyone go and tell everyone what's happened here you know, and when I was talking to him about it in the week, he was saying that, you know, we, as, and it's so true, before we pick up a mic or anything, we go through training, a bit like the cult. Like, we go, you know, we have to go through training. We go to, but he was like an evangelist, just like that. And that's like you and I. It, it's that process of we're confused at times. Same with the disciples. We're confused at times. We're going through tight spots at times. We have moments of suffering. And that's all happening as we're expected to be evangelists. And it's that tension of living within the both. Of we're expected to evangelise when actually I'm going for my own tight spot. And this man, I've always identified with this man because I can physically see him grabbing hold of Jesus. Moments before he had what the Bible calls a legion within him. A legion of demons. Could you imagine how troubled he was? Everyone else had cut out, you know, put him to one side. And now he's, 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 he's who he's supposed to be. And the person who's done it is Jesus. So I would be the same. Where are you going? <laughs> you know, we're just getting this party started, you know. Like, you can't go anywhere. We really need to sort... You know, and Jesus then sent him on an assignment. And, I, and I've, I've always sat with that. Because one, you know, in those moments of life, those commitments, that commitment is like, God, how can I do it? And the reason that Jesus could send him so wonderfully is because he's no longer with us. He's in us. 
he's, he is now officially in us. We had, if you look throughout the whole of the scripture about the presence of God, you know, from the Ark of the Covenant to, to, to Solomon's beautiful temple, you know, to the second temple that they built, all of these elements that they tried to do to contain the presence of God. And then Jesus came and he was, you know, is God. And then you want to hold on to that, right? You want to hold on to that religion. You want to hold on to that rules. You want to hold on to it all. And he said, no, no, he's, he's in you. He's in you. You're going to be baptised next week. He's in you. He's in me. He's in you. That same God is in you. So you don't need to grab onto anything. You need to now walk in. And your commitment, the best part of that story of that man was not him in the cave. Actually, it's not recorded. It's all he went on to do next. Your commitment every day, turning up, turning up early here, speaking to the neighbour, trying to pray for that unsafe family member, you know, trying to deal with your teenage daughter and not getting anything back. Your, your, your commitment of showing up time and time and time again is what the Father does in you. He's, he's, he's in you. It's not wasted. In those moments when you feel so, so lonely and you're parenting alone and you think, how, how am I supposed to do this? This is literally a two-parent job and, I've only, and, I'm, and I'm alone. No, your commitment isn't wasted because he's, he's in you. You don't need to hold on to him. He's actually in you. He's filled you. You know, that, that job or that assignment or whatever it is that you've been called to do in this season of your life, this next season of your life, this Palm Sunday, it's all well and good. We can shout Hosanna in the highest. And I could have preached that today, but instead, actually, God sent me on an assignment to tell you that your commitment isn't wasted, that his glory comes from that. That when you show up time and time and time again, your glory comes in that. We had our parents' evening and I sat down and the teacher said to me, you know, I can see you've been reading with your son every day. And I thought, oh, I, you know, almost, I didn't want to turn to a therapy session, but I almost cried on the, on the, on the, you know, but it's like, actually, she's not there and she's not omnipresent. She's not God, but you see the fruit, right? Yeah. That, that day where you're like, I do not want to read about Biff and Chip. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to do it, you know? It's, it isn't wasted. It's seeds that you plant slowly and slowly and us as the church we have to do it we have to show up day in and day out and plant our seeds believing by faith that it isn't wasted that all things work together for the good of those that love your love the lord he said my soul's trouble well, what do i say do i say move this take this from me but this is the very reason i came so i choose i cho and just like my father said i too come after it and i stand before you and i too choose to say glorify yourself through everything, through the good times of the Hosanna moments, through the confused times where I don't have the foggiest, through those suffering moments, through those tight stop spots, and through my commitment to you. Glorify yourself. May people look at our lives and give glory to the Father in heaven. May they say, what are these, who are these peculiar people? Who are, who are these peculiar people that meet every week? How, how, they, how they reason in marriage, how they raise their children, how they're able to forgive. All of it is the glory of God. You know, he said, um, there's a song and, and I believe they're going to sing it. It says, you know, thank you, oh, my father, for giving us your, our son. But the best part of that thing is, and leaving your spirit until the work is done. We're up next, friends. Grow up next and it isn't wasted. It's an encouraging message this Palm Sunday for you. And I want to pray with some people who just believe that, you know, I want to join, I want to play with some people this morning just to say that it isn't wasted. 
You know, those times where you even look back and you're like, you feel shame over that area of your life. You can't even say it openly to people. You feel shame, but you're a redeemed child of God. That's your identity. This is who you are. And it isn't wasted. This was a man that was in a cave that had a legion of demons in him. In moments sent out to nations. Because he's in us. Amen. Amen. Sorry, just in my heart. Amen. 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 Sorry, I just so feel so strongly today as well, just as I said, like this Palm Sunday, just for our children. That's what I feel led in the spirit right now. Just as we lead and we're thinking about this, nothing is wasted. And I say children, I mean Christian children, collectors of children, that we should continue in our commitment. And that, and that may be, the, as I say, I'm joking about the reading, well, joking, not joking, about the reading, but actually, whatever that may be, whether it be Zio kids, you know, whether it be young boys, we should all make sure that we're passing that baton forward, knowing that actually the glory will come. And that we should pray that children are growing up in a really confusing time. It's not a time that I was raised in. It's probably not a time that any of you were raised in. This is not in my notes. Didn't even know. But I just believe that the Lord wants us to, to, to pray, for, pray for children. They're growing up in a confusing time and in a confusing culture. You know, and this, one of the best things that the scripture told me was that we need to take our confusion to the king for revelation. But that means that us as a collective, there should be no such thing as single parents in the house of the Lord you know there should be no such thing as widows in the house of the Lord they are our children and we should pray for them we should pray that the Lord that that they meet the Lord early that they have a true identity true revelation of their identity in him Um, nothing's wasted they are they are literal seeds they are literal seeds and if we do not reach out our hands and pray for our children then later on we can we can be reactive and say the culture's doing this politics are saying this but actually did we reach out our hands and were we faithful with our commitment as a collective so um as I said it's not in my notes but just right there I just felt it so very strong to say that actually in years to come the remnant the remnant in years to come is not even what we see now you, you know it's what we see years and years and years what we won't see um, so pr- praise God, praise God. That's one of the things that we said that we loved about here, isn't it, David? That in, we loved about the different generations of this church. You just, you just love it. You see it, Pastor Tony, Pastor Matt. You just see it all the way. You see generations and generations. And it's now for us that to, in our commitment to keep praying, nothing's wasted, friends. You are not wasted. Not, no season, no element, no connection, no friend of your life. Everything, everything. You'll see You'll see everything is for the glory of God. They say hindsight is twenty twenty, but actually faith, you can believe in the moment. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. Thank you, Jesus. I know I've went over a little bit of time, but I do, Father God, I want to pray, Lord God. I just give you praise. You said if you lift you up, you will draw all men. That you, Lord God, that you have, you, you have felt every desire. You felt it. You know it, Lord God. So we can come to the throne of grace boldly and obtain mercy. Thank you, Jesus, that even in those moments of pain, even in those moments of disruption, those life events that throw us sideways, nothing's wasted. Thank you, Father, for, for going, for coming, and for leaving your spirit, Lord God, for no longer being with us, but for being in us. It changes everything, Lord. So I just pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, the same prayer that you prayed. 
glorify your name. And I believe that your response is, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.